It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Letizia. with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcasts on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of In That Number. Proud to be part of the Sports Social Network. This is episode 177. Today we shall discuss Saturday afternoon's 1-0 loss to Michael Salisbury. I mean Aston Villa. (laughs) We'll chat over VAR, drones and and everything else that made the match day a miserable one. Uh, We'll go through the transfer rumours once more. Uh, as that window edges closer to shutting, and Tim will be on hand to preview to preview a busy week, both cup games, uh, the semi-final first leg visit of Newcastle United, and that FA Cup fourth round as we welcome Blackpool to town. All that and much more, but first... 
Kevin, the Moscow Mush. How are you this week, Kevin? Um, yeah, I'm fine. Another week's drawn on, another loss, another disappointment. Still bottom of the league. Still bottom of the league, yeah. Probably going to drone on for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, how would you be? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, yesterday I was a little bit nervous going to the game because I sensed, you know, this was, uh, you know, a crucial turning point. I thought this was going to be a turning point in the season, you know, given that we've won three in a row and I thought Villa coming in, you know, they're beatable and nothing really to worry about. But um, just those set pieces again, isn't it? And, well, and as I said, Michael Salisbury, who was, oh my God, he, he made my day miserable. Um, as did Saints in general. But yeah, other than that, <laughs> I'm okay. Just a normal generic week and looking forward to the next one. And yeah, so we've got a busy week next week. We've got these two games to to prepare for uh, Tuesday night and Saturday. So I wonder if we're going to just, you know, carry on in the cup and, and just keep suffering in the league. And you know, you, I think you called it, didn't you, a couple of weeks ago that we're going to have, uh, we're going to get relegated and win both cups. Yeah, European tour from League One. <laughs> I called it first. <laughs> If you are enjoying the show, uh, then please consider buying us a pint or, or the cost of a coffee, whatever. Um, I, I don't know about you, Kevin, because I, I could really use one right now. Uh, yeah, and you can visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number to show your appreciation for the show. Um, right. Uh, before we get dogged down by the misery once again, I want to bring in Tim Bazance once more. Tim, how are you doing? Are you any better than us? Adding insult to misery, bringing bringing me on for the for the rest of the show. So uh, yeah, we just, we just keep on bringing people down. Yes, no, <laughs> it's uh, it's been it's been good. Uh, it's been good this past week. Lots lots going on, lots of moving parts, but was able to enjoy the Globe Pub, which is a famous Chicago sp- soccer bar here uh, this past weekend. They hosted a small gathering of Villa fans, but by small, I mean like eh, probably 40 people or so. And so, of course, I'm the only Southampton fan there. And uh, while as much as I love all the Villa fans, I want to give a shout out to the guy who is typing on a typewriter. Well, hey. in the, in, yes, <laughs> he brought a portable typewriter to the bar at, and he's been typing. He's been typing on it. and You can hear the ding, 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 oh, wow. ding, 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 ding. Uh, all the way, all the way. Yeah. Yes. And I did not think the area that we were in was truly tried and true hipster, but uh, that was funny. And that was kind of a, a funny, memorable experience. But nonetheless, uh, thank you to the Villa fans who um, uh, drowned my sorrows in pity. I appreciate it. Well, my my experience of the Villa fans <clears throat> on Saturday was probably not the same as yours. So let's put it that way. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, uh, and the result, of course, a bit bottom of the league still, as I just said. And but Everton losing, yeah, I guess it helps us out. But uh, we still need to get the business done, don't we? And then I, I, I do this all the time, and I'm sure we shouldn't, but I'm going to do it again. We're going to, you know, concentrate on the league and look at, you know, put those cup games aside for a minute and just look at some fixtures that we've got coming up. And, and tell me what, what you think, guys. So we've got Brentford away, Wolves at home, Chelsea away, Ooh. Leeds away, and Leicester at home. Some really, really important games coming up. Well, of course, they're all important, aren't they? Especially when you're in the situation that we're in. Um, But we do need to get some points quickly. Uh, Realistically, I mean, I've been looking at that. We need to get max points against Wolves, Leeds and Leicester. Need that. And, you know, Brentford away. I think we can pick up a point, although that's going to be really, really tough. 
And I, I just I just think just forget that Chelsea one. I mean, if you can get the points against Brentford, Wolves and Leicester, I mean, oh, sorry, uh, Wolves, Leeds and Leicester. I mean, it doesn't really matter what happens at Chelsea, even though we have already beaten them this season. You know, it's um, it, it's it's a tough situation, Kev, that we're in where we're actually fixture watching. I mean, I don't know if you are, but this this is the current situation that we find ourselves in. It's dreadful, isn't it? But the luck is slightly on our side in that we are, albeit we're bottom of the table. Um, yeah, and we tied on points with just Everton, and still I think one win to take us out of that drops on yeah. so it's you know we're not drifting away from the rest of the fact but I mean a win against Villa or even even a point would have been just crucial to just yeah trying trying to make progress but it wasn't to be no and Tim I mean out of those five games am I right am I wrong to think that we can get a point at Brentford especially the way that they're playing at the moment I mean you're looking at those Brentford Wolves Chelsea Leeds and Leicester I mean what are realistically how you know how many points are we going to take from those five (laughs) (laughs) realistically I mean five points Um, I think we can get a win and two draws and that's probably the realistic Mm -hmm. shout at this point Um, so the win against Chelsea right yeah (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's actually, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me any bit just because no. <laughs> uh, they're not, in, they're not in the best form and they've only signed $700 billion worth of uh, signings this past January. Um, you don't even know who's going to start for them. They've got, they have 14 signings over between the, the summer window and then this window. Completely baffling. This isn't the, L, this isn't Bailey's uh, LA Dodgers where he can just sign all the top talent and then win the league. It's like uh, it manager, it isn't it? <laughs> it? Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't quite work like that. Um, but to me, you have to average a point and a half uh, a game for, I mean, if you realistically, if you can, if you can average 1.3 points per game, uh, for the rest of the for the rest of the season, you'll keep us out. And at that point in time, I'm giving us before this past loss, I was given us 50 50 shot. Now it's a 60 40 for us to get relegated. Um, so I'm slightly higher than that. I'm thinking about 80 at two, the moment. Two thirds. I mean, so two thirds. I mean, two thirds is a fair shout right now. If if we won yesterday, um, it would have. I mean, I would have felt probably more in the 40 60 crowd. If we tied yesterday, I still probably would have felt 50-50. And you know, 60-40, two-thirds, um, that's being realist slash optimist the best that I can. Kev, I'm, I'm kind of with Tim. I reckon we can take six points from these five. And you reckon 18, yeah? You're going with that? You're sticking with that? Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to put a five on that. Okay, well, okay. Might as well just give it to me. <laughs> just, or just you know, <laughs> buy, buy me a pint. Just do that. Um, okay, uh, we need to check out the uh, the news from this past week. Are you ready for this? Ready as never. This is ITN in that number news. Okay, ITN news then. Uh, a couple of appointments this week. We've appointed a new chief commercial officer. It's Charlie Boss. He will take over from David Thomas uh, and will report to Martin Simmons in attempts to grow the club's commercial success. So, yeah, that's um, that's great. That's, that's just what we need right now. Um, and, of course, Jason Wilcox, a new director of football. That's happened. We all knew that was coming uh, soon. It's happened now, but he'll join us in the summer uh, to take up the post and we'll oversee all teams. Um, that's the under 18s, Bs and the, and the women um, and player recruitment. So 
that's a good bit of news. That's something that's, you know, scratch off the list that we can just, you know, think about next summer. I mean, obviously, they found someone. I can't really say that I'm familiar with his CV. I don't know whether he's going to do a good or bad job. But yeah, I'm good. it's good that vacancies are getting filled and Rasmus Ankerson isn't turning into some sort of dictator. <laughs> Yeah, all positions are being filled apart from that number nine. Uh, one departure in the week, 19-year-old midfielder Ryan Finnegan has joined League Two's crew, Alexandra, uh, on loan for the remainder of the season. We can jump on the on the transfer roundabout if you guys are interested. Yeah, go on. Let's have a spin. So good. <laughs> yes. Have it in your ringtone. Yeah. yeah, I might just do that. Right. Okay. Uh, the window to sign those that well that important striker uh, is dwindling a little bit now. There's a little over nine days to make something happen. Um, Jones has said that we won't be bringing in players for the sake of it, which you know it's a, it's a bit of a worry. For the sake of goals, we need goals. Just bring anybody in. Uh, but yeah, he has had a had a lot to say on the subject, so I'll read out what he said. I never add just numbers for the sake of it. I'd rather just work with what we have and someone I really know than something that's too much of a gamble, especially at this level. We're working really hard to improve certain areas, but if nothing comes available, we won't knee-jerk. We are scoring goals, so it's not like we've gone two or three games without scoring. We want to demand more and would like a little bit more potency all round, and we're not going to get 10 players like that. If we can get one or two that add to us, then that's what we're going to do. We would like more potency is what we want. So whether that is an out and out number nine, then fine. If that's something that can play, if that's someone that can play across the line, then fine. Uh, To me, Kevin, that almost sounds like resignation of the fact that it's not going to happen. Because, you know, at the start of this window, he was all, well, he was, he was up. He was keen uh, to talk about it. But now he's kind of, he's not, he's kind of like resigned the fact that we're not going to do it. I mean, that, that's what I fear. That number nine is not coming. I mean, he also said earlier in the week that they weren't close at this point. And I think that was on Friday, actually. So, yeah, not close. That's not what we want to hear with nine days to go. No, not at all. I mean, it's, it's desperate. We need a goal scorer. I mean, any, anybody will tell you that. But are you worried that it's going to be a knee jerk? We're going to get another Guido Carrillo. He's talking about a gamble there, Tim. And we don't want to make that gamble, but... Is it worth a risk just trying to get somebody in? How many times in in the past can you think of that a January signing has worked out so significantly in the future uh, to allow for massive success? To me, it, it's the odds aren't there. Mm. Uh, we got Orsic. I think Orsic is the most proven player that you could possibly imagine to get that is going to be able to come to our team who's got Champions League pedigree with Dinamo Zagreb at a, at a reasonable price to be able to get in and get going. International um, pedigree think, as well. He's, he's, he's done it on the world mm-hmm. stage. Yeah, that's. I think that is, if you're able to find something like him, that's wonderful and fantastic. Um, but who else is out there? And the most realistic shout for us was Danny Ings to me. And that's because we he's a, he's a known commodity he had a strong pedigree. He's familiar with the team. There's a lot that he could have done for us, and I think he could have given us the, that opportunity. Uh, unfortunately, he wanted to go to West Ham, so 
He's now a claret and blue uh, person through and through. Burnley, Aston Villa, and now West Ham, all three of the major teams with that color. Mm-hmm. So to me, um, I don't see anybody. Uh, the rumors, I know we might talk about Haji Wright, but he's not it. He's not it for us. Um, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to think about, and uh, it doesn't look good. I think the only thing we can expect is Danny Ings to sign for Scunthorpe United next season. Then. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kev, there's, yeah, Danny Ings going to, to West Ham was a bit of, a bit of a surprise. I mean, we knew we knew that he was on the move. Um, it was clear that uh, Unai Emery wasn't keen on him, which is a surprise considering he was the leading goal scorer for Villa this season. But the, I mean, the striker merry-go-round, it's, it's it's hot every day, isn't it? It seems like there's a new one added. Um, uh, Tim's just mentioned Haji Wright. I mean, I've heard Paul Onuachu, there's a bid been rejected for, for him. Um, he's a Nigerian striker at Genk. Uh, Nicholas Jackson, apparently that's progressing. I don't know where that is. Um, Haji Wright, as I said, is, is in talks. And then there's um, Carl Toko Akambi. Um, the interest is real, but there's nothing concrete. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's what uh, Nathan Jones was saying when, it's, when, it's, when they're not close. So these are the latest strikers on the merry-go-round. Um, have you heard any more? I also heard uh, about uh, Haji Wright and all those other ones. Um, a few more names in the mix. Uh, 18-year-old Chelsea wing-back Silco Thomas. Uh, sounds like just what we need. Mm. Mm. Um, 19-year-old defender Usmane Diamande. Yep. Uh, you heard that one? Yeah, I've heard that one. I've heard Jeremy Doku as well, Connor Gallagher. Uh, Morton Connor Gallagher, Sh- yeah. Yeah, Morton Shulman's, um apparently, the Lecce defensive midfielder, he's um, he's rejected it, apparently, so that looks like a dead deal. Yeah, Dan Juma, his name's come up again. Although apparently he's going to go bugger off to Everton on going. Yeah, I think a lot of fans were getting excited about him, weren't they, um, in the summer? Well, I, th- I think Jeremy Doku would be a good signer, but again, it's, it's it's not what we need, is it? When we've just got Orsic. So, mm. James Bree again, and Josip Juranovic from, from Celtic. Celtic, yeah, all these right backs keep popping up, don't they? Um, a few more. Uh, strikers as well uh, from Montpellier, Stevie Mavididi, Leila Bada. I think we mentioned him before, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. Um, yeah, Oscar Estupinian from Hull City. Yes, that was a, a one that I heard as well in the week. Just give me a, a yes or no here, guys. I, I mean, I'm not interested if we do manage to sign a right back or another defensive midfielder, etc. I'm talking about number nines now, just in general, a, a striker, a goal scorer. Um, in your opinion. Yes or no, are we going to sign one before this window shuts? Kevin? Oh, God. I mean, it's 50-50, isn't it? I think, you know, if they sign anybody, it will just shut the fans up. But, we, yeah, we need, we need someone proven who's definitely going to start scoring because the, the calibre of the players that we've, we've just mentioned is, is similar to, you know, the, the Sekou Maras and mm. Jay Adams and uh, Adam Armstrongs that we've already got. So, yeah, I mean, if it's a choice of signing any of the ones that we've mentioned or nobody, um, to be honest, I don't think it really matters, does it? No. Uh, 50-50, but I'm going to go with yes, because they have shown that they are signing players, albeit it's not going to be somebody who's going to come in and take us to the top. Um, that's. But yes, I do believe they'll sign a nice number nine who will play for us next year. Okay, I'm going to say no. I don't think it's going to happen. Or if they do, it's going to be, you know, 11th hour thing. I think it's going to be a late on Tuesday night, um, Tuesday week, obviously, the 31st. I think it's um, 
yeah, they'll get they'll get it will be knee jerk. It will be um, panic buy uh, if, if it goes down to the to the final hours. Um, also, I don't know if you've heard this one, Kev, but um, Sekumara is a wanted man. Uh, there's three mm. European clubs that were chasing him on loan for the rest of the season. As Strasbourg, Lorient and uh, Augsburg in Germany are all um, interested in getting him for the rest of the season. And I don't think they maybe one in one out loan deal. Uh, in, uh, yeah, but we need to get that one, don't we? First, it needs it needs to happen. Um, yeah, we haven't talked much about outgoings, have we? I mean, have you heard any other rooms? I heard about Salisu and Gineppo that um, are clubs are interested in, in getting them. I don't. Again, I, I don't. Well, Salisu is a definite no-no, isn't it? Because we, we we haven't really got the centre backs there. Gineppo, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's I I I, I don't think any are going out. I don't think he's. I think he's interested in building more of a squad. And I know that Tim said last week that we, you know we've bulked out. We have got. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Yeah, but if. If we are going to lose some players, I imagine it would be just some, some more loanies. And... I think it's quite, it's quite symptomatic, though. We're, we're all very bloated after Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, loanies, then. Uh, we'll go through a few of them. Uh, well, Smallbone, his, uh, his Stoke team, he opened the scoring in Stoke's 4-0 win over Reading on Saturday. So that was good. Um, and Nathan Teller uh, also opened the scoring in Burnley's 2-1 win over West Brom. Nico Lawrence, he made his Torquay debut in the FA Trophy, a 4-2 win over Taunton Town, um, and he got an assist to kick it off. So nice one, Nico. Uh, yes, OK, so birthdays then. Guys, I've got a birthday for you, which is Monday the 22nd. So that's that's tomorrow as we're speaking. Uh, but it will be today as you're listening. So you can say happy birthday to Shane Long, Monday the 22nd. How old is Shane Long, Kev? 35. Okay, 35. Tim, what are you going? 36. He is 36, Kevin. Shame on you. Oh, <laughs> well, actually, he's 35 today. So again, you weren't wrong. <laughs> yeah. B team, Wednesday the 18th, they played Everton in the Premier League Cup. It was the final game of the of the group, Group F. Um, they lost 3-2. Uh, but goals from Luke Pierce and a first of the season for Leon Pambau. Uh, next match for them, they've got Derby on Monday the 23rd, uh, and that is at Loughborough University Stadium. That's a 7 p.m. kickoff. Uh, the women's, they played Lewis last Sunday. Uh, they were playing as we were recording, but they lost 1-0, so that streak is now over. Um, and they are playing right now uh, against Durham. Right up there, uh, Maiden Castle Sports Park. Uh, so, yeah, they kicked off uh, at lunchtime today. And the under-18s, they played finally against Aston Villa on Tuesday the 17th. They had a 4-1 win at Villa Park. Uh, Jimmy Morgan with two again. Uh, and the returning Tyler Dibbling with, with two. Um, you remember that he was at Chelsea. Um, and then came back, so he wasn't settling in. But, yeah, he's, um, he scored two. Uh, and they play West Ham at Staplewood uh, on Saturday, the 28th, and a 12 p.m. kickoff. Uh, we have to we have to talk drones, Michael Salisbury, uh, and another agonising defeat, uh, Aston Villa on Saturday. So he entered right, Kev, with a chance to win four games in a row for the first time since Claude Peel's 2016-17 season, and that blew my mind. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was going to blow yours as well. Uh, and Villa were playing their third game against the bottom of the table side this season. Uh, they were winless in the previous two. Again, enter Southampton to change their fortunes. 
Um, Kai Walker-Peters, by the way, making his 100th Premier League appearance. But yes, of course, it was a loss, a heartbreaking one, one nil. The goal in the 77th minute from Ollie Watkins from, yes, you guessed it, another set piece. Uh, the manner of the defeat, I don't know, it just left me feeling ang. I was so angry last night. I was just, yeah, I needed to take a time out and, yeah, it, I, I just horrible. I wanted to scream at, at anyone who would listen to me, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, we had a, a drone-disrupting play. We had Michael Salisbury awarding everything to Villa, taking away our goal via VAR. Again, it was just, yeah, a horrible day and I felt unjust. Did we play well? No, I don't. Well, not near, not good enough. Right. But if you put everything together, then a point is probably what we deserved. Uh, but Kev, yeah, hugely disappointing. And I, and I know that you uh, well, you've never been an advocate for VAR, um, but this just takes the biscuit, doesn't it? I, I, I kind of see the arguments for it, that it's got to have it's got to be part of the checks and balances that is to make referees accountable. So if they make a, a difficult decision, penalty decision, a red card, that uh, you know, there's that safety net there. And whereas here it's drawn the referee's attention to something that was, well, absolutely nothing. I mean, it's, it's just precisely ridiculous thing ever yeah i um, think mike dean's come out of retirement as an, as an advisor to the var i think because to even bring it to his attention yeah i wasn't entirely sure why they um, brought it back um you know when i wasn't even sure what they were looking at even when you see the replays you're like well you know that's nothing he's barely even lent on him with his arm and um, with his his foot he's got just a you know tiny amount of his toe on the back of his heel to just start rolling around, grabbing your ankle um, whilst play is still going on. I mean, yeah, it's just so cynical, but it paid off for them bastards. It certainly did. And Kev, I, I mean, I, I remember when VAR was being trialled and you went to a few games and you said that you were unaware of what was actually going on. And it was, I, I know what you mean, because I was in that same situation and never told us anything I wasn't, I didn't know there was a foul. I had no idea. To be honest, I thought it was offside. When I first saw it, I thought they were checking for an offside. And then the VAR pops up on the screen. It says checking for a possible foul, Elianusi. And I thought, what? Obviously, I don't have the luxury of, of uh, replays. So I They didn't... should show it to the crowd. No, they did afterwards. But at the same time... Yeah, whilst it's happening, they should be. we should be looking at exactly what the referee's looking at. Sure. But what I'm saying is they didn't give us that information. They just said a possible foul. Mm. Now, I, like you, I thought it was because of the arm on the back. Now, the, the whole stadium at my end just erupted because they thought that is not a foul. Anywhere on the field, that is not a foul. I didn't even realise until later, after I'd calmed down a little bit, that they were checking or the referee gave the decision because it was the, 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 you know, the foot. Well, why couldn't they say, why can't the referee say that at the time? Like they do in, well, I don't know, rugby or in American football, whatever. Can't they just say they're looking at the foul, it's, you know, possible stamping on the hill or whatever they deemed it to be never got any of that so they they showed the the clip and it just looked like a push in the back oh, a very very soft push that's what i thought yeah. it was it's not a clear and obvious oversight and it shouldn't have been called back for a full stop we, Pre we've been precisely. robbed precisely yeah if it's got if it's not yeah if it's not clear and obvious you've got no right to turn that over that's that's it but anyway we're getting ahead of ourselves i'm sure there'll be more on it i, I want to talk to tim uh, about about the uh, the formation and, and the personnel. Tim, I saw it as a 4-2-3-1, uh, certainly to start with. Mm. And, and once again, going with the, the pair of Lavia and Diallo, uh, allowing Prousey that freer role. 
Um, Adam Armstrong and the dozy backing up Che Adams there. Were, were any qualms for you, Tim? Uh, no. I guess the one thing that I would have, I would like and seen and cons- I won't say I'm concerned about, but I get it because he's the new signing as Orsage. I think he is and would be the only dis- difference maker that we can have. Over who, um, though? A dozy or Adam Armstrong? A, a, a dozy. Okay. Um, I, I think you saw a dozy made some, uh, some good plays uh, there, especially in the second, beginning of the Very second half. Very progressive, though, isn't he? To... He does like to yeah. go forward, and he, he, he's the only player that we have on the field that's, that, well, that did that yesterday, really. Yeah, I, I can see that. And we've got a bunch of players that have what it takes to play, but the, the game is to score the goals. And we're not doing that. We're not getting there. We're not having, we don't have that opportunity. So to me, we need somebody who can do that. And I think he's the only one who has that pedigree and the ability to do it. And you look at people like Ellie and you see, well, why does he get on the pitch? Well, he plays because he does whatever his job is necessary. He's flexible and he does what he's told to do. Um, that's what that's why they, that's why they like playing him. They like Adam Armstrong because of his work rate. What is he going to do? He's going to he's going to go out there and he's going to run around a bunch. And whether or not it's correct, good or not, positioning it's there. Um, I think Adozi. It's I don't know if it's I'm as high on him, but I think that um, we needed that clinical touch. And I think that Orsage is our last. I won't say our last chance, but yeah, it is. He's our last chance. Yeah, I was certainly expecting to see him come on a little bit earlier than 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 he did. Uh, but Kev, you were you happy with the with the starting lineup? And yeah, I can see what he's trying to do. I mean, yeah, Lianco's um, settling quite well into that right back role, having Lavia and Diallo as the double pivot and playing Will Prowse up front. Well, I say up front, but you know, what I mean, in a more mm. uh, progressive role. It's Number been a 10, bit of a yeah. revelation of late. Yeah, but. I mean, it was just, um, I mean, it's fairly, fairly ineffective. I mean, like Tim said, we've got players that, that like to run with the ball in the Dozy and Armstrong. But, you know, when we get into that final third, um, I mean, it doesn't matter who's sending the ball in, whether it's Walker Peters, Lianco or, um, yeah, Armstrong or Dozy, whoever. Um, if it goes beyond the penalty spot, there's just no one there to take it. I mean, Ad- Adams is just filling the sort of spaces in the final third simultaneously. Uh, we, we, we really need more people up front. Well, I think we've become too easy to defend against, haven't we? I think, I mean, I, I listened to, to Ollie Watkins' interview post-match and he said that, you know, he's on a bit of a goal-scoring goal drought, but he felt that Good. he felt that he could score. Mm. That that just goes to show you that everyone's looking at us and thinking, well, there's a chance to get some points, there's a chance to get some goals. And he's right. And I, 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 I just think that we are too easy to defend against. We're not doing the right thing uh, at that pivotal moment that, you know, like you just said, past the penalty spot. There's just, as soon as we get to there, it then goes backwards and sideways and there's no, yeah. there's just no creativity there. And very predictable, yeah. Um, and, and the first half was pretty much like, it was boring, wasn't it? It, was, it wasn't the best. It, mm-hmm. it, it felt like a nil-nil and not creating too much at all. I mean, we did have the ball in the net, um, but that was rightly chalked off um, for, for an offside. But, and, and Villa, yeah. yeah. Um, just, um, yeah, Lianco Roberto Carlos Voinovich, that cross <laughs> for the Shea Adams goal, which is incredible. Yeah, he's doing he's doing the job there, isn't he? Which is he's doing it game after game. It's, it still it's, surprises it's me. It still it still is su- surprising me still, and I still don't. I mean, he got booked early on, didn't he? Because he had a bit of a late tackle and he was running up the field too high. But like I said, there is I'm, that there is that little bit about him that I just don't trust. But yeah, 
Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of a bit like uh, Romeo in that, you know, once he gets that yellow card, he kind of calms down and um, his head gets screwed on and he seems to perform better. It's like he needs it, yeah? It's, yeah, yeah, just the motivation. Exactly. Uh, but Tim, Villa did have their chances as well. And uh, Baza to make a save on Ramsey. Um, th- there was a show actually for a penalty uh, to Villa. That was um, Salisu on Ramsey. Tim, I don't know if, yes. you, if you saw this your end, but I mean, I did wince and I put my head in my hands there because I thought, oh, God, that's going to go to VAR, isn't it? But uh, Tim, you had the luxury of replays, of course. But um, how did you see that one? Yeah, I sat there and I just cringed and I'm like, oh, we got away with it. Um, yeah. Oh, OK. So to me, I think that we got away with the Salisu penalty because I did think he ran through and, bar- and did, a, did a little bit of a barge. Um, I think the only thing that they were able to get, I want to say get away with, but think that we, because he came in from enough of an angle that could have been a shoulder and he just could have perfectly timed it and given the benefit of the doubt being in the box. Whereas, um, thinking, thinking about with the Elianusi and the, the light, um, ankle touch, mm. I see why they called it. I see, I see why they did now. A ho- the homer in me says no come on that's not but at least i understand why they did um uh, so to me i think we got lucky and i think it should have been one one all right kev then uh going off of that do you think that michael salisbury thought oh i've made an error there that maybe that was a penalty um so he's given villa the benefit of the doubt on our goal and chalk that off and also do nah. you think do you think that our infringement was was worse than theirs or was worse than that incident definitely um no definitely no i think you know uh we we maybe rode like slightly on that chance and um yeah bazuno also had a clash with ramsey it was kind of borderline but he did get the ball first um but i you know relatively speaking i don't think you know riding our luck so to say uh just the that decision on Oh, you know, see, it was just so disproportionately unfair. It was so, so, so soft. Um, and the other decisions, but, you know, I think it would have been, it would have been harsh if either of them had been given. But, yeah, nothing compared to, to that Elginuzi decision. It's just ridiculous. No, I agree. I'm totally with you there. Um, and then on 41 minutes, the game was paused because of a drone. Uh, <laughs> once again, in the stadium, little communication was made uh, to us, you know, about it. They, they they took the players off for safety. But then I heard afterwards that it, it was colliding with the scoreboard. Um, so the decision was based on that. I mean, did you hear differently? They needed to, they yeah. need to take the players off for having a drone on the field. I don't care. You don't you don't know what's going to happen with, you know, if it's going to crash directly into the field. You don't know if it's going to um, have any type of apparatus attached to it that could cause some more mischief or it could, like you said, br- crash into the scoreboard. So. Uh, unless it's a drone that is uh, by the by the uh, excuse me by the the broadcasters and it's well away from the ab- above the pitch um, and it's designated and they're aware of it. Otherwise, you take them off. It's the absolute 100% right decision. I mean, I've seen drones around that stadium a lot. It doesn't. That wasn't the first time it's happened, and they've just gone. You know, whether they've been unnoticed or whether they've just thought. Oh, Fuck it, I don't know. Really? During during play? Yeah, maybe not not lingering where it was. I mean, because it was quite obvious there whether 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 you know the play was stopped and uh, they were just about to take a free kick, weren't they, Villa? And then they just sort of like noticed it. But 
yeah, I've seen I've seen a drone up there many times before. Whether it's the same one or not, I don't know. But yeah, they they just didn't say what what was going on really, and um, they went off. And then after nine minutes, uh, they came back uh, to play up the remaining rem remaining minutes of that half. And I don't know, a half in truth that it was poor. There was no big chances really from either. We had one shot, and they had nine. And we only had 28% possession. So, yeah, a massive halftime talk was needed uh, from, from Nathan Jones. Um, and then Kev on the hour, he made changes, three of them at once, actually. Adams, Lavia and, and Adozi make way for Mara, Elianusi and Perro. What, what did you think of this? I mean, because I only ask because, I mean, why, why would he take Lavia off? Um, I've heard since afterwards that he had a little bit of a knock because I, I was sure it was going to be Diallo. But, of course, he changed it up a little bit now. And then we've got Perot and he could then move uh, Kai Walker-Peters over to the right. I mean, I didn't know about that knock, so that, that maybe does shed a bit of light. But I thought Duyal was quite good. He wasn't losing possession as much as he is usually. But, yeah, it was, it was a lot more forward-thinking. I think, you know, Ralph got a lot of criticism for not being able to manage the game. And we're seeing some quite proactive substitutions there, um, making a, a much more attacking formation. And, um, yeah, really giving it to Villa. And it, and, and it worked. Well, for the most I, mean, part. I mean, he brought Elianusi on, and Elianusi was the reason that we didn't score. So, oh, actually, Michael Salisbury was the reason that we didn't score. But, yeah, it did. It, it, it had a desired effect, didn't it, Tim? And, and but, I mean, yeah. El Yanusi held up the ball for that goal, so if it wasn't wasn't for him, we wouldn't have scored. We didn't score. <laughs> well, okay, it was scored. It was chalked up and then disallowed. But yeah, you, yeah I, it, he was part of that goal and so he, part of that goal. He could have saved us all a little bit of uh, misery. Just from send the it out for a corner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, he did have that breakthrough, and James Wood Prowse got the goal. And <laughs> Tim, talk us talk us about this this non goal then, and 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 what your feelings are on this this ridiculous decision. I'm not putting words into your head. You basically had a slight touch from Elianusi on the ankle and then a forearm push from the extension. Uh, between those two, the ref uh, decided that that was enough because it affect, it did affect the ability for Jacob Ramsey to block the shot and play. Um, you know, Should have stayed on his the feet ball. then, shouldn't he? Yeah, that. he should he should have, but uh, ultimately it was light. I think whether or not it's the right decision, I'm completely biased and want want the Saints to win. Um, I at least understand it. Do I agree with it? No, I just understand it. Perfect way uh, to say it because I didn't even understand it at the time, and now that I do understand it, I still don't believe it's the right decision. So yeah, I'm right with you there, and I don't know. I mean, what Kevin? I think it was Simon Hooper, wasn't it, on VAR? Uh, what he has said to Michael Salisbury. I mean, I don't know how these conversations even go about because I'm pretty sure Salisbury didn't know anything about this this foul. So Simon Hooper must have said to him, oh, there's a foul there in the build-up to this goal. Take a look and back up my, my decision to, to, you know, disallow this goal. Is that how it goes or is it, look, look at this again. I'm not going to tell you anything. Oh, I don't know. I think does it, does it really matter? It doesn't really change the outcome of it, does it? Um, I mean, obviously, I've seen Villa fans come out and say, fucking hell, you know, that, that, that really was soft. Um, yeah, we got lucky there. Yeah, but I've also heard Villa fans say about it, yeah, probably well, we did get lucky, but then we should have had a penalty ourselves. That, that's the, the kind of 
but it doesn't work like that, does it? Football doesn't work like that. And I hate it when you have to no. say things like you, you, don't, you don't get a penalty decision in the first couple of minutes and you say, well, that could have changed the game. Yeah, how do you know that, though? You don't know. You can't say that. Decisions happen like that in football all the time. But when you have a goal, which is the referee has deemed it to be a goal, and then VAR has stepped in when they didn't need to. And then you hear the, you know, Ramsey, his interview at the end of the game said he's about contact and he's entitled to go down. Why are you entitled to go down? Don't, because you feel contact, don't go down. That's part of the problem. If he had have stayed on his feet, chances are he would have blocked that shot anyway. And it's it's a difficult one to let go. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I keep watching it back on a loop and I, I don't see uh, the, the it's disproportionate, isn't it? The the reaction and the reality of, of what's happened to him. Yeah, it was just never enough for a foul, and he went he went down like after the so-called contact. And I do want to mention New Jersey Scott on our on our Discord group because he brought up something, and he just said, "If a defender does that, is it a penalty?" Now, of course, it's not. It's simply because there's not enough for a, for an offence. It's just soft, it's, it's right, it's, it just seems like it's our luck. In my opinion, I mean, I know that I watched the um, match of the day and I, I I basically wanted to hear what the panel had to say about it because I was seething out mm. of the game and I thought, I bet there's a lot of pundits that are, you know, really going to go at VAR. Jermaine Genus said, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a penalty. Uh, sorry, that's a, that, that's that was right to, you know, disallow the goal. And that's all they said on it. They didn't even ask Danny Murphy. I mean, Gary Lineker didn't give his thought. He just went, okay. Um, so yeah, really, really disappointed. So I haven't heard um, from from your your point of view. And Tim, what was... it was, you know, Spurs against Liverpool or something like that. Then yeah. then they'd be discussing it, wouldn't they? Yeah, front page news. But uh, Tim, what were they saying on on, um, on the US networks in, the, in the, as in punditry and analysis? Uh, I got a lot of moans and groans from the 40 Villa fans next to me, so I didn't quite get to hear the the coverage. And mm. even in the replays that NBC Sports has through the YouTube when I was trying to watch it, um, they just basically quickly explained that there was a foul in the buildup on Ilyanusi, and that was it. Uh, do you agree? Homer and me says no, but I at least see why and shit. And these one or two or three decisions like this – are things that we're going to look back on and say, hey, if we got this, the momentum would have shifted in our favor. We could have gotten a draw and it could have saved us that, you know, those one or two points or three points that could have kept us afloat. And little things like this just add up over and over again. We'll look up, we'll look at the forest game and say we lost at home to them. Um, the only benefit in our favor was Forrest and Bournemouth drawing this, uh, drawing mm. this weekend and to, to keep us anything going. Um, so it's scary and, uh, it's depressing all at the same time. Yeah. And then to rub salt in the wounds, you know, Watkins scores from a header from a, from a set piece and dreadful again and un- unmarked Kevin in the center of the goal from 10 yards out. That's inexcusable. Um, I wouldn't say he was unmarked. Um, he was surrounded by Gineppo, Dia, and Lianco. Well, then there's more reason them. why it shouldn't have happened then. Well, more... exactly, yeah. yeah. The, the reaction and getting in his way. But if you have three of them can't do it, then, well, we're fucked, aren't we? Yeah. And then, then it, they, of course, VAR looked at it again and because uh, there was a possible offside. Okay, yes, it was the right decision, but I obviously didn't see this decision. And as soon as they said, oh, VAR are checking for a possible offside, I just thought, well, because I already know the answer there, it's, it's not going to go our way. And uh, yes, okay, it was the right decision. It was offside. It wasn't offside, excuse me, but 
yeah, I just um, I just wonder how much Michael Salisbury made from this match. <laughs> just, no, just because, right? I know that that was fine, and and the the goal that was chalked off shouldn't shouldn't have been right. But I just felt like I don't know how you saw it, but that because obviously when you, when you're being in the in in the stadium and you're you're around biased Saints fans, you're going to get moans and groans after every little free kick. But I felt like every decision went Villa's way, every little tiny bit of contact, and they went down. Okay, some of it was little and, and often insignificant decisions like throw-ins, but I remember clearly on two or three different occasions where it was a throw-in and Salisbury just went with Villa. And it, it was our throw-in. It was just little things like that. And I, I, I felt so sorry for Nathan Jones because he was incensed at times on that sideline. And I just felt like that. I mean, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask again, like, how did you see it on, on, the, on the television screens? Because... I just felt we were just done by these little tiny niggling free kicks that shouldn't have even been. Um, I, I can't say that I, I picked up on that, but um, yeah, now that you mention it, I mean, well, where is our home advantage? I mean, the, we're supposed to have decisions like that go our way at home, aren't we? That's well, that. At least even it out, even out a bit. I mean, I think well, every single time Michael Salisbury awarded us a free kick, there was everyone was on their feet clapping. It was like obviously sarcastic because it was like, oh, you, you do know how to point that way. It was. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't feel like. It didn't feel fair. Tim, did you? Was it obvious from you, or was it? Was it just like the the biased surroundings of St Mary's that made me feel like that? It, it just felt there was a the wind out of the sail um, once the goal happened, and you just saw that there was a perpetual morale dejection uh, around, and it just felt even with the announcers and the U.S. side that. It was that was that was it. Like it felt like one zero. That's the game, and wrap it up, and time to go home. Yes, and Martinez, uh, master shithousery uh, and time wasting. Oh god, what what? Yeah, firstly, what a keeper he is, by the way. You know, but he is a first class twat. Yeah, <laughs> cannot, cannot stand him. Um, but yeah, he did make a decent save on Gineppo at the end. And oh my god, yeah. yeah I just felt he was whinging quite a lot and probably the reason that uh, VAR looked at that goal, if I'm honest, because he was straight out there pointing down. It's amazing, though, isn't it, that when Ramsey went down, none of the Villa players were like really, really bothered about the free kick until the ball went in the net. Then they all ran to the ref and was like, come on, that was a foul. Um, And Martinez was was the main culprit of that. I just thought, you prick. If I had some chewing gum, oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> You'd stick it to him, would you? I certainly would, but yeah. Um, yeah. As I said, rooted to the foot of the table. D- didn't do enough to win the game, but certainly enough for a draw, I felt. Um, uh, stats, Kevin? I mean, I either they don't make particularly good or bad reading. Um, yeah, overall possession, uh, only uh, 37%. Um, however, yeah, if we compare each half, I think you mentioned it, didn't you, that we got there. Uh, why did I say 18? 28% yeah, in the, in the first half. Yeah. And that, that change in formation definitely gave us a lot more of the ball, 46% in the second half. Oh, wow. Um, so that evens it out. Yeah, it's just chalk and cheats. Mm. Um, yeah, in terms of shots, uh, eight shots to their 16, but we're all square or shots on target, five each. Yeah, it just goes to show that they were doing snapshots because they couldn't get close to the goal. And, yeah, we were just trying to... Yeah, well, that applies to both teams. I mean, I don't really remember, uh, goal aside, you know, I don't think any of their chances were really noteworthy. Villa's XG was 1.4. 
considering they scored, you know, took 16 shots and only five on target. 1.4. What was ours? 1.2. 0.6. Fucking hell, that's awful. Yeah, that is very, very bad, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, not good. Not good at all. Um, But 19 fouls, Kev, apparently, and, and half of those were Salisbury being generous, mm. I'm sure. 19 fouls. You don't get that. Yeah, and um, I, I, as I say, I felt, I felt for Nathan Jones because there was nothing you could do about that when you, you're playing against Villa, who are a good side. They they weren't good, I don't think. Uh, but you're playing against the, the referees as well, and uh, yeah. But his his post match interview, he said, I, I couldn't have gone any more aggressive yesterday in terms of set pieces and nailing certain bits down. Uh, we defended set plays well today <laughs> for the majority, but it was that one that cost us again, uh, and that's really frustrated for the frustration because uh, in general play we're not getting carved open. Uh, from front to back, we're defending superbly well and limiting teams up to very little. It's just set plays, and if we can master that, we'll keep more clean sheets, uh, that, and then we'll, it will give us more wins. Well, I, I still think you need to score some goals as well, otherwise it's just going to be nil-nil, isn't it? Um, we gave the ball away too many times. Defensively, we looked strong, we looked aggressive, but when we gave the ball away, we weren't potent. We didn't use our solutions enough, and that's something we've got to do better. Uh, we've got to be better on all levels, and we've got to make sure we're picking up points. If we defend one set play better today, then we pick up a point, and then we go, okay, another positive, another point. Um, yeah, agree, I mean, with, agree with that? He's right, isn't he? Yeah, he's right. I mean, I don't know about the bit about nailing certain bits down. I think he needs to nail his bollocks to the touchline. <laughs> Uh, man of the match, Kevin? Uh, it's tough, isn't it, when we lose to, to give man the match? Um, it's got to be Martin Salisbury, when, isn't it? I mean, with Favela, yeah. Um, although, yeah, I mean, Martinez at the end. I mean, that, that, was, that was going top bins, wasn't it, from Ginefo? Mm. Yeah, but I can't give it to Ginefo for that. Prowsey, um, yeah, should have had a goal. I mean, he would, would have got the assist on that, wouldn't it? Because it would have been an own goal. Really? It took a massive deflection on the way. Yeah, it was on target, though, wasn't it? I don't think it would have been an own goal. Okay. Well, in that case, um, yeah, Walker Peters would have got the assist then, would Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was the the most positive player that match. Uh, the progression and balls into the box. Uh, just yeah, unfortunately, didn't really do much with them. So uh, I can't really fault him. Other players, I can. So yeah, he gets it. Kyle Walker Peters. Okay. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, right, I think it has to be between Lavia and Diallo. I thought Lavia started the game well. I thought he was um, he was tackling really, really well. He, he, I just you just notice him a lot more than you do with Diallo, and he's just that. I don't know. It's just great at winning the ball back. But um, I, I am going to give it to Diallo. I think because I think he's improved. Holy fuck! Holy fuck! Yeah, indeed. I think I just think he's improved under Jones. I think he's played. He played the full ninety, which doesn't happen, does it? He had the most tackles as well, and he was generally involved a lot more. He, he saw a lot of the ball, um, especially in that first half, and most passes too, and not just sideways. I mean, they were mo- more progressive passes, which underlines his improvement. Um, and what's I, his accuracy like? It was up there. It was right. It was right up there as one. I think Salisu had the most because he just does that sideways one to to Chiletzar. but. Uh, yeah, he was like second or third in that. I, I just okay. wish he wish he'd speed up his his decision making a little bit because he's he, he does like to take his time on the ball and he, it's almost as if he doesn't realise or he hasn't got used to the English style of football yet. Obviously, still been playing in France, but that's difficult when you're in and out of the team so much. He never gets a settled ninety minutes. But 
I just think I'll give it to him because I don't think any of us have ever done it before. Yeah, his improvement. It's just it's been great under um under Jones. And I do like it when they play all three of those midfielders together. Um, Diallo, Lavia and, and Browsey. Tim, uh, man of the match for you. Who was it? Uh, no one. <laughs> we didn't score a goal. Um, uh, I think I like Ward Prowse in his more progressive position in that eight or the ten position. So I think he made a huge difference in a lot of cases, but all in all, uh, nobody really. Okay, well, we'll take Ward Prowse as that. Right, next week then. We've got two games next week, uh, two cup games. We've got Newcastle United uh, and Blackpool uh, but first, we've got Newcastle Carabao Cup semi-final first leg, and that is on Tuesday, the 24th of January, eight o'clock kickoff, and of course St Mary's, um, and it's on Sky Sports as well. 38 wins against Newcastle. Newcastle have beaten us 43 times, fairly close, uh, and 24 draws. Tim, why are Newcastle going to beat us on Tuesday night? Uh, All-around all, all talent, momentum, oil, uh, oil money. Oil money, yeah. A 15-game, uh, well, I won't say non-losing streak, so uh, result streak that they've got going on, and uh, continual upgrades, uh, m- high morale, oil money. And, and the fact that they haven't won a trophy in, like, 200 years. Obviously, it's not mm-hmm. that long, but it seems like it. Um, yeah, they're going to have the momentum, aren't they, in, in every single way. Yeah, I mean, it's a good test, though, to see how our... Two new players coming uh, coming coming to the uh, the start. So I think with um, Alcaraz alongside Orsich, I think this is the opportunity for them to get momentum and get their feet wet comparatively to say, um, you know, just playing or playing the known commodities like Adam Armstrong or LAGC. So. Uh, I feel like I've been dejected and morale boost and kind of a bitch to listen to for the last uh, 30 minutes, even hear my own voice. So hearing that, seeing that, I think it's an, I think there's opportunities for extra games, which is fantastic for us to help build that momentum necessary to uh, kick it down the road. Uh, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for him to tinker with and continue to play with formations. I think that with Newcastle, uh, they set up in a, in a very good way with a traditional 4-2-3-1 that we're going to see with the majority of the teams that we're going to play against the rest of the season. Um, I think they're going to see diff- they have different flavors of players in there that in that they have two really strong center backs, but also uh, a, a third in Dan Byrne, who's just absolutely crazy and playing out of his mind. Uh, Kieran Trippier, who's world class. Um, you've got Callum Wilson, who can finish the ball. Uh, Miguel Amaron, who's been nine goals on the season so far, and uh, seeing that a great test for us to become more well, battle tested so that we can hopefully finish out and get some results later on. Uh, so to me, I think it's OK if we go out there and try our best and lose, because as long as it gives us the experience going into a relegation saving uh, lineup, uh, that's that's ideal. So Eddie Howe has got their team lined up really, really well. Um, they just recently, even though uh, it was a way to Crystal Palace, um, unlike us who loses, uh, who lose in, in, in close games, uh, they end up drawing their close games as well. So with their recent start lineup, uh, Nick, we've uh, they've got a lot of known commodities right now. Nick Pope, Kieran Trippier, uh, Bruno Gimaresh, uh You've got Callum Wilson up top. Joe Linton's been playing very well. Uh, they've rotated their center mids with uh, Joe Willock and um, and Sean Longstaff. 
Um, and then they've got players that can come off the bench and make a huge difference. Alexander Isak alongside Alan St. Maximin. Uh, you know, what is your five aside? Who are you, who are you going to take? Well, um, I think I'm going to take Baz just because I think there's a lot of good outfield yeah, players. Yeah, that they I'm, have. With, I'm with you there, Tim. Yeah, you've got yeah. you've got so many decent players you can choose. You might as well take our goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, so I'll take um, I'll take Baz and KWP uh, alongside. I think I'm going to take Trippier, uh, Bruno Gimmerish, uh, mm. and Almiron. Um, predictions then. Uh, I think Tim, you are first on this one. And we're just looking for the first game, correct? Yeah, just the first leg. Okay, I think we're gonna play better in the first leg than we will in the second leg. Uh, I do think though we will lose two uh, two to one. Um, I'm uh, similar with you, Tim. I'm just gonna say that we don't score a game for the second game in a row. Whether it's at home, I don't know. They just don't seem to be playing well at home, do we? 2 0 Newcastle. I'm going to be out man here, and I think that, yeah, our miracle run in the Cups is going to continue, and uh, we're going to shithouse our way to a 1 0 win. You you think we're going to win 1 0? Why not? If, you, if you're going for losses. Wow. And then, of course, next Saturday, the FA Cup fourth round, Blackpool in town on Saturday the 28th. 3 p.m. kickoff at St. Mary's. Yeah, it, it's it's not been great for Blackpool recently. A 23rd in the championship, and I just I just mentioned as well, Michael Appleton uh, has been sacked, sacked in the week. And Kev, have you heard he's come in? No. It's Mick McCarthy. <laughs> oh, <you> bastards! <laughs> <laughs> Mick McCarthy is in charge at Blackpool. Um, but oh, yeah, okay. yeah, that should be fun to see. Uh, and. Uh, in the third round, convincing 4-1 win over Nottingham Forest. And I don't kind of like us. They're performing in the cup, but struggling in the league and in the relegation zones. But, um, but you know, they definitely fancy their chances against us as well. And, and, and another chance to, to beat a Premier League team and a struggling Premier League team at that. Um, but, Tim, do you get the sense that with Mick McCarthy coming in now, his focus has to, has to be solely on the championship survival and... Um, this FA Cup game is, is a mere distraction to what is ultimately what he was brought in for was was to keep them up. Yeah, he he, come, he comes in on a short term deal. They didn't sign him to something like two and a half years. I think the whole goal is for survival, and I think they're gonna treat this game like an afterthought and just say, okay, we're moving on, and we are going to play uh, for for their survival. Uh, so to me, uh, I'm less concerned about that game than anything else. And I do hope we are able to rotate and ultimately no injuries. That's the most important thing. No injuries. So Mick McCarthy hasn't played or he hasn't managed since uh, late 2021 for Cardiff city. So coming in, um, it's a comp- hopefully for them, that's a complete afterthought and let's rotate some players in and get some, uh, get some game time to people that we haven't seen yet. Well, I, I hope they, they, they do it like that. But you know what I, I feel, Kev? I feel that this is another one of those FA Cup games uh, last year, this time last year, actually, against Coventry, um, where we just completely struggled and we had that uh, we had to win in, in, in extra time. Um, yeah, I just I don't want it to be. I want it to be a comfortable one because, I mean, I, I, I love, love, love the FA Cup. I don't want to see this as a distraction. I just want us to keep going. Um, and yeah, I just, um, yeah, I want to see some rotation obviously with the two games. And I think we have got a big enough squad to do that now, whether it's, it's big enough with, with, with quality, I don't know. We'll find out, but you'd like to think that whoever we pick in this starting 11, that it's going to be enough to overcome Blackpool. So in my prediction, I'm going to go for a home win, but I'm going to go for a two, one Saints win. It's going to be a dodgy one. 
I think we will, and I think they're equalised. Just like in the Lincoln game as well. Yeah, probably. Um, and then I think we'll we'll take it with about 20 minutes to go, and uh, we'll shut up shop, and and then we'll move on to the to the fifth round and play Man United at Old Trafford, most probably. Yeah, this is a game we should be winning. I, I don't see why not. Um, yeah, I hopefully the side won't be too weakened um, because yeah, Blackpool might fancy their chances against us rather than any other Premier League team. But yeah, I think we're still going to do it. And I'm going to go for a rare clean sheet. I'll probably regret that later, but a 2-0 one for the Saints. I hope so, Kev. I really do. Uh, Tim, down to you, mate. So three of their best players this season are our loanies. Uh, Charlie Patino from Arsenal, Ian Paveda from Leeds, and Josh Buller from Nottingham Forest. So looking at that and seeing that they don't have a very good outlook if they're going to be able to survive, if their three best players are on loan and they may quit later towards the end of the year, you don't you don't know. So to me, uh, I think it's going to be a 1-1 draw. Oh, dear. Right, okay then. Uh, Discord then, the uh, results. Uh, only two people predicting Villa wins. That does surprise me. And Tim, you were one of them. So, uh, yeah, well done. Uh, you predicted our downfall. <laughs> I hope you feel good about yourself. But no, you picked up two points. So, yeah, well done. And the other was Dan Rideout. Uh, they're both actually going for two ones to Villa. So not the right result, but uh, correct team winning. Uh, Colt Baker is still top uh, on 37 points, and he's just four points ahead of Dan Fox. Um, but, yeah, there's 10 points to play for next week. So um going to be changed around. Uh, Super 6. Uh, round 31 was won by Terry Lubbock uh, and Tom Hennigan on 14 points. Uh, round 32 is ongoing with all the uh, the games today. Uh, overall, though, we have a new leader. It's uh, Jason Brazanga. Brazanga? Brazanga? Sorry. Apologies. Jason Brazanga. Uh, 279 points. Uh, guys, uh, how's your fantasy football looking? Uh, Tim, I know you did bloody well last week i thought i did well and then i looked at your team and thought oh shit but uh yeah kev how's how's it going well i scored 83 points um would have been a lot better if i triple captain prowse rather than harland but um yeah half the world triple captain harland so yeah i had to follow soon 80 points is still pretty good though kev so 83 uh 83 points and what about you tim how many did you score last week 75 points so oh. uh, once again the triple captain uh holland um i the only thing that's going well for me is i've been, been, I've, been man, I've been above the average consistently now i think the last five weeks which is great you've been doing well this season and i, I got 74 so it wasn't all that bad and i didn't have a triple captain available so um yeah I, i'm okay with that but this week it's been awful Absolutely awful. I think most of my team are just picking up the odd point here and there. I'm on 20 points this week, and most of them have played. Uh, actually, no. I mean, I've still got uh, I've got a full helping of Man United players, and they've got Arsenal to Savo, so I mean, who knows there. I've got uh, Hoybjerg still to play. Um, yeah, not not a great week for me this week. It's about average for um, our league, at least. Uh, yeah, it's not really much going on this week at all. Um, yeah, I'm, st- I'm still just top of our Potters League, but there's, there's not much in it. So I think um, you've tipped Tim's Excellent. I moved up in our Potters one, actually, so I'm, I'm, I'm off the second from bottom now. I don't know. There's, there's ten, pe- 10 people in the Potters League, and I'm up to eight. So does that mean I get relegated? I don't know. Is it just one that gets relegated? I don't know. 
if there was. Nah, it's, a it's a franchise league. No one gets playing it. Okay, well, that's good. Um, yeah, uh, score uh, the uh, big league. Um, I was hoping to move up into the top ten, but I seem to have um, yeah, slid further down somehow. Um, I, I'm in I'm in seventeenth in that league. Um, yeah, top three. Uh, my name Allen still top uh, with. Um, 1,259. Jamie Thorpe second, six points behind him, and just one point in it third, uh, Nick Cooper. Paul Gilliam, um, he's in fourth. Uh, Again, just 20 off the top, so it's all to play for. Excellent. Okay, guys, I've got a where am I for you? Are you both keen and eager and ready and raring and up for this? Let's do it. Okay, Um, I like it. Roy and Michael Keen. Oh, good. Um, What about Will? No, no. <laughs> um, change the format. Um, this time I- I'm gonna, because it's both of you having a go. It's gonna be quick fire, right? But you only get one guess per clue. It doesn't mean you're out if you guess wrong, though. So you can keep guessing oh, okay. every clue. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if I give you, for instance, if I give you the first clue, uh, one of you will say your name, so I know who it is, and then you can have a stab at it. But I will take the first answer only. So if Tim jumps in first and says, yes, it's Saints and it's right. Obviously, I'm not going to do St. Mary's. Yeah, located no miles from St. Mary's. Um, then Tim will get the points uh, and that will be it. Understand? Let's do um, it. OK. OK. Right. Clue number one for five points. This stadium is located zero. My- no, I'm joking. This stadium <laughs> is located 332 miles from St. Mary's. Kevin, St. James Park. Incorrect. Uh, Carroll Road. Incorrect. Uh, clue two, approximately 57 miles from St. James's Park in Newcastle, not Exeter. Kevin, okay. Stadium Shine. Incorrect. Ah. I think that's more. That's less oh. than 57 miles, Kev, isn't it? Yeah, the second thoughts. It's, it's a lot closer. Yeah. Riverside Stadium. Not a bad guess. The name is it in is. Not, not a bad guess, but it's not. Uh, clue three for three points. The city is noted for its ancient history with Roman archaeological findings for three points. Okay, I'm, I don't know the name of the stadium. Okay, you haven't said your name. Kevin. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Go on then, Kevin. Who are you going for? Um, is it Carlisle? <laughs> it is Carlisle United. Well done, Kevin. Uh, and uh, yeah, well done. And the, the, the stadium is Brenham Park, by the way, just so you know. Brenton uh, Park. Brunton, yeah. Uh, just, just so you know that the clues now uh, consider their rivals to be Preston, which is weird. I don't know why. Uh, Hartlepool and Middlesbrough, which is why, Tim, I said it was a good guess when you said Middlesbrough. Because, yeah, although the, the nearest club is Gretna. Um, and clue five, uh, Cathedral City in Cumbria, just eight miles from the Scottish border. So, yes, it's Carlisle United uh, and they play at Brunton Park. So, Kevin, you get the points. Uh, unlucky, Tim. Better luck next week. And oh, I've got a little bit of surprise for you guys, actually, this week. I'm going to, uh, yeah, just give you a little bit of a quiz. I know that you're uh, avid football watchers um, and obviously Premier League watchers. But yes, I've got 10 questions for you based on this season's Premier League. Are you up for that? It's just a bit of fun. So, again, it will be quick fire. Let's go. Let's go. Right. OK. Which team has completed the most passes this season? Manchester City. Incorrect. Arsenal? No. It was Nottingham Forest. (laughs) 
5,600, sorry, 5,264 if you're interested. There we go. Uh, most shots on target? Manchester City. Incorrect. Newcastle? Incorrect. That's Liverpool, 108. Mm. Uh, most tackles by team? Arsenal. No. Southampton. No. <laughs> Do you want to keep guessing? Or should I tell you um, the answer? West Ham. No. Leeds. It is Leeds. Well done. <laughs> counter-pressing, uh, counter-pressing yeah. by Jesse Marsh. That's the, uh, yeah. that's his, that's his style. Uh, most yellow cards by team, not player. Brentford. No. Um, Fulham. Yes. <laughs> well done, Kev. <laughs> uh, most crosses. I'm just a stab in the dark territory, isn't it? Um, United. No, which United? It technically is a United, but... Newcastle. Guessing. No, it's not Newcastle. And it's not Manchester either. Um, West Ham. Yeah, West Ham United. Well done. Um, okay, now this is uh, all individual. This is players now, okay? So individual tackles. Who's had the most tackles in the Premier League? Jack Harrison. No. This could be anybody, can it? Jeez. Um, Fabian, no, wait. Uh, who's Newcastle defender? Botman. No, no. It was uh, Jao Polinia. Of, of Fulham. They've incidentally okay. had the most yellow cards as well. So, so yeah, that's that. Be right. um, most blocks. Solisu. Actually, Tim, Solisu was second on 45, but there's someone on top with 51. Kukureya. No. It's James Tarkovsky of uh, Everton. Okay. Aerial jewels. Dan Byrne. See, now this one, it really, I mean, all of these surprised me, which is why I picked these, these, these categories. But this one is not who you think. Although, technically, you would think, oh, yeah, yeah, he's he's very good in the air. But you're all thinking defenders, right? But it's not. Ollie Watkins? No. Um, so it's going to be uh, some sort of midget midfielder. No, he's a potent goal scorer, in fact. Haaland? No, it's not. It's Mitrovic at Fulham. 74. Uh, best save percentage. Give some love to the goalkeepers. Martinez. No. I was either going to go with um, Pope or maybe... Let's go with Pope. Otherwise, David Rea is my next guess. It is Nick Pope. Well done. It's certainly not Gavin Bazunu, that's for sure. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's his bottom of that. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Uh, Most saves. Pickford. Pickford. It's incorrect. Um, I'll go with Rea then. It is Raya. <laughs> well done, Tim. You gave a bit. That was it, yeah. So, yeah. I thought there was all, all of those were uh, obviously ones that I wouldn't have thought were possible, consider. apart from maybe most shots on target, Liverpool. Um, but the rest of them, yeah, no, I wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have thought that. But, yeah, uh, that, that was it anyway. So I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it took, that took your great, mind off man. of Saints. So, yeah. Didn't embarrass myself too much, I suppose. No, you did well. Both of you did very well because i don't think i would have done that yeah next week we'll go through the well, both cup games against newcastle and blackpool uh, and yeah and we'll preview the uh, game against brentford as we enter february so uh until then up the saints up the saints up the saints up the saints open at southampton
Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.